between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your grace tonight that will that's here and ready to bless us. We ask for help. We ask for leading. We ask for direction. Lord, we ask for you to release a blessing for us tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. But I ask for help to speak your word under your spirit that your spirit will flow with us today and lead our heart into blessing thank you father we come with meekness and brokenness and meekness of spirit poverty of spirit we approach your table thank you lord for blessing of fellowship which you will give to us today. Thank you, Jesus. We give glory to your holy name. Bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, let's open our Bibles. Good evening to you. Um, say good evening to somebody. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. John chapter, okay, first John, sorry. <clears throat> first John chapter one, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. If you're there, say amen. <clears throat> from verse from verse 1, 1 John chapter 1, from verse 1, it says that that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have looked, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, praise God. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Amen. And that which we have seen and heard Declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. Praise God. And our truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Praise God. 
And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son, praise God, thank you, Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's see chapter 2. From verse 5, it says, But whoso, okay, verse 4, says that he that said, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. And hereby we know, hereby know we that we are in him. Verse 6, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself to also to walk even as he walked. Praise God. Praise God. Verse chapter 1. Verse, chapter 1, verse, verse 5, again, it says that this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth, but if we, if we walk in the light as, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one with another, praise God, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, does what? Cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Um, let's see chapter... Three, chapter 3. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> chapter 3, verse... Uh, yeah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. 
verse, let's just read from verse 1, just 1 and 2. Um, it says that what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And therefore the world knoweth us not because it, because it knew him not. Thank you, Father. And beloved, we are the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as what? Even as he is pure. Praise God. So the we're seeing that the central theme of John's epistle is, um, is about bringing in another season of seeing beyond the initial seeing which the spiritual man has. Because the spiritual man, uh, what makes a man spiritual, one of the, the, the first sign of a spiritual soul, a spiritual man is his way of seeing the kind of eyes that he has. Uh, the uh, spiritual man is a man who has inherited the nature of Christ, right? The nature of Christ is the nature which, the first spiritual nature, no, I'm talking of spiritual according to nature. The nature of Christ is the first spiritual nature. And every nature has peculiarity of eye. One of the distinguishing factor of spiritual nature is how you see. Praise God. The, the natural man um, sees the way the natural man sees. So the eye of the natural man is a sight. I'm talking about the soul now, not the body. The soul of a natural man is a soul that is configured with certain kind of eyes that makes him not able to see beyond the things that appear or relate directly to his nature. Praise God. And so the spiritual man also has his own eyes. And the eye of the spiritual man is an, is an eye that has been, that is in tune to see things um, that pertain to the spiritual nature. Praise the Lord. Uh -huh. So the spiritual nature is almost, one of, the, one of the main property of the spiritual nature is the kind of eyes that the spiritual man receives by virtue of him growing into nature. You know, the Bible speaks concerning um, concerning spiritual judgment. And then there's natural judgment, there is spiritual judgment. There's carnal judgment, and then there is what? There's spiritual judgment. Now the judgment of the, the matter of the eyes is, um, is very, very key. You see in the book of, praise the Lord, in the book of Isaiah chapter 11, Praise God. Uh, when he spoke about the spirit of the Lord, we know that the, the spirit of the Lord is the spirit 
that raises the spiritual man, right? The purpose of the Spirit of the Lord, praise God, is to develop the nature of the spiritual man. And he said that the Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Spirit of counsel and mind, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And then it shall make him of a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Then the next thing they say after that is that he will not judge with what the, the sight of his word, with of his eyes, but he will what? Nor will he what? Reprove. Nor will he hear with the air of his head, but with what? Righteousness and what? Judgment. Will he reprove for what? The meek of the earth. Amen. So talking about him reproving for the meek of the earth with righteousness and judgment is speaking concerning an elevated state of judgment, which is, a, which is higher than, he said he will reprove with equity for the, <coughs> for the meek of the earth. That was, that's talking about the, so if he's reproving with equity for the meek, he's talking about an exercise of an elevated judgment beyond that position called the meek of the earth. Praise God. We know that who is the meek of the earth? The meek of the earth are the people who, praise God, the meek of the earth are the people to who the gospel of Christ is preached to. Right? There, there's, there's the Bible speak about meekness. There is, there is the meekness of the earth according to Luke chapter, Luke calls it poor. But in the book of Isaiah, they call it the meek. Praise the Lord. So the meek or the poor are those people who are candidates of the gospel. But there's another level of meekness which is higher than that, which Jesus referred to in the book of Matthew chapter 6 when he was saying the meek shall inherit the earth. Praise the Lord. So it's very clear that it's not the meek of the earth that we inherit the earth. It's those who are, there's a meekness higher than the meek of the earth. That is the meek of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, those beatitudes, they are talking about a particular, uh, a particular estate or people who have come into blessedness. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are who? The peacemakers, blessed are, that's talking about a certain category of people. Praise God. Um, who have attained certain kind of qualities that are, though all those qualities of the beatitude are qualities that are above the earth. They are, they are mountain qualities. They are qualities of the height. Jesus had to prophetically move up to the mountain in Matthew chapter 5, the end of Matthew chapter 5. After he went up into the mountain, he sat there, and then his disciples came unto him, and then he opened his mouth and began to say, blessed, 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 blessed. So it's actually a prophetic kind of demonstration that those blessed people are mountain climbers who have been able to climb the mountain to the place where the Lord commanded the blessing, according to Psalm 133. Praise the Lord. What does Psalm 133 say? Say how, what? How good, how pleasant it is for what? 
for brethren to dwell together in, in unity. So those brethren who are dwelling together, that, that chapter is a prophecy of New Testament saints because they are not, there is no brotherhood in the Old Testament. Um, that's very clear. The Lord did not give commandment to brothers. He gave commandment to neighbors. He didn't give them commandment concerning brotherhood. Praise God. Because in the Old Testament, the, the only brotherhood that existed was brotherhood of blood. But that thing means nothing to God. The, bro- the brotherhood of flesh and blood, like um, Moses and Aaron were flesh brothers. Praise God. Or just physical brotherhood did not mean too much to God, right? So the commandment, brotherhood, that thing called brotherhood, what the Bible calls brotherhood, which is what you see a lot in John's epistle, is a new concept spiritually. It's actually a New Testament concept. It did not exist before. So before in the spirit, you won't find, um, you can't find people who have entered into brotherhood in the spirit before the New Testament. Why? Because the, there was no access to common genetics in the spirit. You understand what I mean? There was no what? No access to common genetics. So what makes people brothers is the sharing of genes. You, got, you don't have a brother who you don't have the same gene with, do you? If you don't share genetic commonality from means from the same, don't have a common ancestry, right? You can't be brethren. So in the physical, brethren means the sharing of genetic word, uh-huh, praise the Lord. So in the spirit, there wasn't such thing available because there, was ne- there, had never, there has not been an offering of blood to humanity. Praise God. My humanity hasn't been offered a blood through which they, had, they can buy spiritually into. Right? They couldn't offer, there's not an offering. You know, the offering of blood for man was not just physical blood like Jesus offered. Jesus offered his blood spiritually. Right? And the purpose of that blood is for men to share into the same blood. And so that Men can, through that blood, access sharing of genes, come into the same gene. And so it's very clear that one of the first things that ministry of the blood of Jesus on the earth is to create brotherhood on the earth. Do you agree with that? The ministry, say ministry, the ministry of the blood. The ministry of the blood, the first thing the ministry of the blood will do is to create brotherhood. So the sign that a Christian has had dealings of us, or has partaking of the blood of Jesus is when they have arrived at brotherhood spiritually. Right? What you call brotherhood in the spirit. Sorry, I'm using brother, brother, or I'm not saying sister, please forgive me. Amen. So some of the ladies will say, are we a monk? So you're using brother. Praise God. Um, so I'm just using the Holy Spirit language. So don't ask me. Go and ask the Holy Spirit why they, say, they didn't say how good and pleasant it is for sisters to dwell together. 
praise God. It's not my fault. Don't blame me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, but you, you understand the meaning of what I'm saying, that the reason for the blood of Jesus, why the blood of Jesus was given for us, for is to, so that we can come into sharing of genetics, gene, the word genetics, all those things. I'm not speaking biology. Forget about all those things right now. Anytime you hear blood gene, I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about the real thing. I'm talking about sharing of life information, kind of life, and the, aha, uh-huh, praise the Lord. So the reason for the blood of Jesus, why it was given to, to, to man, so it means that before the blood of Jesus came, you see why it's not possible for there to be anything called brotherhood, spiritually, right? It's not possible. So when God saw, looked at the earth, he couldn't, he couldn't see brotherhood on the earth. Right, when the, the first brothers that emerged, Cain and Abel, they couldn't keep the brotherhood. Cain couldn't keep brotherhood. Right, that thing called brotherhood, there was his brother in his flesh, but he didn't have the, he didn't have the, he didn't have the, the power of brotherhood inside his soul. So he killed his brother. He, he, he broke the commandment of brotherhood. Praise the Lord. So, and you see that, you see reference to that here. Let's, let's see. Is this chapter, chapter four? Praise God. <clears throat> let's see chapter four towards the end. What verse? It's chapter three, right? Verse what? Three verse 11, Amen. Um, verse 11, it says, for this is the message. First John 3, verse 11, it says, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should what, love one another. So you see that word beginning here, it's talking about this is actually the beginning message. Right, that word beginning just means, Genesis is the book of beginnings, right? Beginning, um, not just that, ah, God created the heavens, no, it's, not, it's more than that, the, Concept of beginning in God talks about also beginning thought, beginning idea. Like anytime you see tree of life, tree of life is a beginning tree, right? It's a beginning tree. That's the tree of life. The tree of death also is also a type of a beginning, right? It's also the, at the beginning of what? Of sin and death, of the nature of sin and nature of death. So you see all those trees planted in that place in Eden. So, so the Genesis doesn't only carry natural beginning property. It doesn't only carry the story of the beginning of the natural. It also carry, there are also things about spiritual beginning. Uh-huh, that. So beginning, beginning means the, um, praise God, Beginning means, thank you, Father. Beginning, beginning things means anything that is a, a product of the everlasting mind of God. Praise the Lord. Every, anything that is produced, that was produced out of the everlasting thought of God. Not everything that was produced after the everlasting thought. The, the current world, you see the current system that you see. A lot of, there are a lot of things on the earth that didn't come from that 
thought and that mind. Most things of the, on the earth came from somewhere else, came from somebody else. They have, they have perversion. They love ways of life, way of living. Things, systems upon the earth are not, they don't have beginning properties. Praise God. They are things that came from perversion, right? Out when God created, then perversion came. There are some things that are beginning thought. For example, the concept of, of being male and female is a beginning thought, right? It's also, if it's a beginning, it's also an everlasting concept. It's an everlasting wisdom to make them male and female. I used all those things in Genesis. All those Genesis things that came from God, they actually, they actually, um, they actually come out of an everlasting wisdom. Do you understand what I mean? I'm not saying that, let's say, everything you saw in the like a leaf now is everlasting. That's what I'm, I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the mind, the, 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 the mind that was ordering things. It's actually, it's actually from when God came out of his eternal existence, essence and began to operate in an everlasting capacity. means he began, he began to spell out wisdom and understanding in him in a relatable way. He began to, to break out the composition of his thought and, and lay them out on the earth, first spiritually, which was when he, he called light to comfort. In the beginning, it's very clear that the light that came forth was everlasting light, right? In the beginning of Genesis, when he said that let there be light, that that light, that let there be. If God would say let there be and then it was, praise the Lord. He's talking about that everlasting um, property, that thing. It's, it's just light. Light just means all of, the, all of the illumination, the thought that came out from God, that rose up out of his it's couch position in his eternal being and then decided to come out to begin to, in, a, in an observable form, praise the Lord. So it's very clear that that light is from there he began to do creation. He began to take out of that light to begin to, to produce things. So all those beginning physical manifestation of beginning things, they came out of a beginning light. Do you see that? Down. So that, that beginning light is, you can also call the beginning light the alpha light of God, right? So it's very clear, alpha light is, is a point that where God began from. It's not his own beginning, it's not, he has no beginning or end, but, he's, but he has a beginning. At some point he said, okay, let me begin. At the, at the point he decided to have a beginning. You understand what I mean? So that beginning kind of wisdom is the is the is the first is the first is the is the first is the first existence of anything outside of God. The first thing that he brought out is his beginning. Do you understand what I mean? That's the where God began from from when it comes to the external side of him. I'm not talking about his within essence of God. Where he where he actually began from. He actually he said that the first beginning was actually a light, a beginning light that came forth. And from there, all that things began to come. He began to create. He began to do things. You understand what I mean? Praise God. So inside that beginning thought, that beginning wisdom, you will find that thing called brotherhood. It's, a, it's part of the beginning thought of God. Are you seeing that? <laughs> so... It says that, so when he says this is the message that 
you have heard from the beginning that we should what? That we should love one another. Now, when he's saying we should love one another, he's not writing to unbelievers and he's not writing to baby Christians, right? He's writing to people who have, who have heard this message. It's not everybody who has heard beginning message. Did you understand what I'm trying to say? What is this beginning message? Is that which was from the beginning, that chapter 1, verse 1, which we were talking about. You, you see that? If you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hand have handled of the word of life. So he's talking about that, the portion of the word of life, which was from the beginning. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we're talking about the beginning portion of the word of life. Do you see that? Amen. So the, this is very interesting. <laughs> Without the Holy Spirit, nobody can ever understand the Bible. It's not possible to ever understand the Bible. Because you see this word of life is saying here, this is, this, this, that which was from the beginning is not the first word that his soul will receive of the word of life. So there's a point where the soul must receive or that a, a beginning, if not the beginning in this sense, but in a, in a terms of order, of chronology, of receiving things. The soul must first receive, if the first portion of the word of God, or sorry, of the word of life, is the spiritual dimension. So when the, the, when the word, a soul begins to relate with the spiritual word, or the word that will make them spiritual, they've not yet reached the beginning. Do you understand? It's to help the soul. Do you know why? Because when they brought man from the beginning wisdom, man journeyed away from there. Right? The, the scripture archived man's, the man left the beginning. Just, he began to go. He began to go to another, through another path. There's a path, there's a beginning path from where man should have taken a, an upward ascension. It was a, there's a journey that God has prepared. Eden was actually a point from where man was supposed to launch an upward journey towards God. You understand what I mean? Praise the Lord. So, that was the, the purpose of that is to bring the soul to the unexpected end. When it says, for I know the plot thought I have towards you, thought of good, not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. That the expected end is talking about the end of God. That's the, the end of God's thought. So, so the reason why God brought forth the beginning is so that the beginning can be a point from which man can end in him. Do you understand what I mean? It's not, it has nothing to do with the joining the way and the external, all these many things that we've been doing for all these thousands of years. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? That the, the plan of God was, the beginning is just a point that man can start from. To, to end in him. Right, and that end is the promise which he had promised us, which is eternal life according to the Bible. Are you seeing that? So, but when, from Genesis, you know, so instead of man going back, going to God, man now entered another season called Exodus. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> that wasn't in the plan before. What is Exodus means exit. Exodus. Exodus means exit. Man shouldn't have exited. 
There should have not been an exodus from beginning. There should never have been an exodus from beginning. So you saw because, because man, man made an exodus, then they now had to, from exodus, you now see Leviticus is now the beginning of, of the laws, the plans to begin to now finally find a way to bring man back to the beginning. So it's very clear that all the war that heaven has been fighting with you and I, just, just to bring us back to the beginning, at least to start with. When Jesus came, we were making some interesting, like when they were asking me a question about Adam and marriage, divorce, that Moses came and said that, you know, there are things that our wife can do. That, and those guys, they are bad guys. They've been planning to divorce their wife since. Amen. But uh, they just came and said, okay, but just, they went to tempt him. You see, but Moses gave us the law. So we, because they feel like we have it written. Moses is written here. In fact, God brought it down from heaven. That it is written here. You can't see anything. That you can give a divorcement for your wife and all. And Jesus Christ said, well, said that God actually hates this thing. He said that in the beginning, it was not so. Telling them that you, you know nothing. And Moses was not the beginning. That you, do, you don't find Moses until where? Until Exodus. After man had made exit. That, that law that you are claiming that Moses wrote for you was the law they gave to a man who has exited from the beginning. Who has made exit from the beginning. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, and that's the problem with the Jews. They are trying to, they're trying to, to, to fault Jesus based on the, what was written for man, a man that has gone out of the way. But Jesus had a sight of the beginning, right? Because Jesus became, had become an everlasting man. So, so Jesus could, when they are judging with the law, Jesus was judging with the beginning wisdom. Right, is a different wisdom that Jesus was. He had access to. He had come into the what you call the presence of God, and in the presence of God is where you find the thoughts of the beginning. If you start beginning, means a, is the realm of originality of all things, according to Jacob Bome. <laughs> originality of things is talking about where not where where anything outside God originated from. Initially, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. So, so you find then that, so it's very clear then that you see the nature of Christ. The nature of Christ is a spiritual nature to help man find the beginning. Right? That's to help man track, have a reverse journey to trace his steps back to the world. To the beginning, that's the purpose of the of the Christ nature of the word of the nature of Christ. Praise the Lord. So he said that for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, verse eleven. That's chapter three now, verse eleven. That we should love one another, not as Cain who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And therefore slew he him because his own word works what were evil and his brother's righteous. So you see, it's very clear that Cain slew his brother. 
he slew his brother because of the works that were in him, which were evil. What are those works? The works in him is talking about what had been wrought in Cain that made him unable to fulfill the beginning message. There was something wrought in him that made him, even though Abel was physically his brother, but somewhere in his soul, he had, they found sin had, had, a, had a way to, to give Cain exit from the commandment or the message of the commandment of brotherhood. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? He was able to, to, to have an exodus from that beginning thought of, of brotherhood. And so that thing called brotherhood um, is, we have to understand, if we don't understand it, we will not understand John's epistle. Praise God. We have to be really clear about, we have, there has to be riches of settlement in, in uh-huh. you will not understand Paul, um, John's epistle, and you will not understand Hebrews also, which, is, which was the, the peak, I believe, of Paul's work. People fight, they say Paul didn't write Hebrew, but I know that Paul wrote Hebrews. Praise the Lord. But, so that was the, the peak of his work, Amen. Because he also he also touched those those concepts as well. Praise God. So, so Amen. Thank you, Father. So, so you see that this com- this commandment of brotherhood. So it's very clear that the point where the soul, where the soul gains access to this state here, of brotherhood, is not when the soul gets born again. It's not when the soul gets born again. You say, ah, oh, but when born again, the blood of Jesus has been shed and all that. Yes, I've, we've thought about all those things, right? We've thought about the difference between Jesus' blood applied to your spirit, which was a transaction that didn't involve you or you had nothing to do with it, and that has been done for every human being on the earth. And there's nothing special in your own than the person who is still an unbeliever in the club tonight. Praise the Lord. It's the same, the same transaction that was made to pay for their sins and to buy them back. It's the same transaction that has been done for you when it comes to the Spirit. So there's nothing in there for you to just boast and, and camp around. But when it comes to the soul dimension, praise the Lord, that in the soul that um, someone to whom, whom that blood has been applied to transactionally needs to take a lot of journey to find the blood. Praise God. It's not every soul, it's not every person who has found the blood of Jesus. You can't tell me you found the blood of Jesus and ask you, okay, what is inside the blood? What is the blood about? You say you don't know, it's just a blood. That you could, then you don't, you've not found the blood. Amen. The blood of Jesus is talking about the, the life of Jesus. Right? It's, 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 a, it's a life, it's a life, it's an offering of life. Right, which has properties and genes and genetic, not physical genes, soul genes. Soul genes means soul laws of life. Praise God, which the soul need to what need to come into. Are you seeing that? Praise the Lord. So, a soul has to journey into that place. When the soul then begins to to receive that, to buy into the genetics of the blood. That's the, first, that's the first aspect of the blood. Then that soul has bought into that thing called brotherhood. Do you see that? As he has bought into that thing called what? 
brotherhood. That thing called brotherhood means you now share genes with Jesus and the other kind of people who he shares his genes with. That who are those who Jesus shares his gene with? People who have the same life properties as he does. Do you understand me? Praise God. Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Praise God. So it's very clear that there are, there are two there are aspects of the blood of Jesus. Right? The aspects of the blood of Jesus. There is the blood of Christ. There is the blood of Christ in Jesus. That there is the blood of God in Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? There's the what? Blood of Christ in Jesus. So, and it, see those two, the, the blood of Christ and the blood of God, those are the two, that, that's the, the property in, in biology, it holds true. When you see, they're talking about the two sources of blood in the spirit. That there is a feminine donation. There's the masculine donation of blood. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Do you understand that? You believe that aspect? Amen. And in terms of what a soul is supposed to come into, those are the two, the two things. You can't take one. You have to take the other. You have to take two. There are two genes, two, two aspects of the genetics that must marry themselves inside of you, like they did inside Jesus. Right? Christ. Who is Christ? Christ is the wife of God. Right? Do you understand that aspect? Do you understand? That's not me. That's the Bible, right? <laughs> I say, ah, what are you teaching? Are you teaching heresy? I'm sorry. I'm, this is Paul. That's not me. Say the, 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 the man is the head of the woman as Christ is the head of the man. And God the head of Christ. What is the meaning of that? Right? So if, if the man is the husband of the woman, Christ is the husband of the man, and God is the husband. I mean, God is the husband of Christ. Is that not a simple revelation? We only see the aspect of Christ marrying the church and Christ marrying a man. You don't know that that is as a type. It didn't start there. That the first model of it is the Christ marrying God. Right. So when Paul was saying, but. It's not too easy to see that mystery. That's a very high mystery to see. So when Paul was writing to people who are in the school of being spiritual, 
right, in the book of Ephesians, it was talking about, I show you a mystery concerning Christ and the church. They can understand that. But it's the same mystery with the whole truth. You could, you could have said, I'm showing you the mystery between Christ and God. It's all, the mystery between Christ and God is also a mystery of marriage. Do you see? It's the same mystery that holds. The same mystery. The way God treats Christ is the way a husband should treat his wife. Right? That is called the, it's the Christ of God. God and his Christ. Yeah, he owns the Christ. Right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, is the, is, he's the Christ of God. The Christ of God. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? So, inside Jesus, you see... Is a, uh, inside Jesus, is a, is a, is a, is a, you will see the marriage of the spiritual man and the divine man. The marriage of the spiritual nature and the divine. So what is the spiritual nature? The spiritual nature is the only nature that the divine nature can marry. It's for marriage. That's the reason for Christ. Every Christ is raised to marry. It's for marriage. Do you understand that? Praise the Lord. This is just, this is scripture for you. Amen. So that's, so you can, I'm just trying to show you why inside the, when you say now, say the blood of Jesus. You must talk about the, the, those two. Is that if you want to talk about Jesus, he inherited, he inherited the two, the, the, the two who married each other to produce Jesus. He has their blood inside of him. So, they will make reference in the book of Hebrews to the blood of Christ. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11. They were not talking about the blood of God in Hebrews chapter 9, sorry. Hebrews chapter 9. Thank you, Father. Glory to Jesus. Father, we bless you. Amen. Verse 14. From verse 13 it says, from verse 11 down to verse 14, they were, Paul was, was making division between he was talking about the high priest, of course, the whole chapter, but um, inside the, in the high priestly ministry, the, the high priestly can have a mini, the high priest, sorry, the high priest can have a, the high priest can have, can, 
high priest ministers as Christ as well. That's just that's the point I'm trying to show. Paul is also showing that point here. The high priest as there's a high priestly ministry in Christ. That's just I'm not sure. It's not there's Christ out from outer court, Christ. There's Christ in the outer court. There's Christ in the holy place. There's Christ any, around the tabernacle. Is Christ, there's just Christ, Christ. Plenty of Christ. Before you get to God, just be ready for plenty of Christ. You understand? There's plenty of Christ at levels. Christ has his levels and his degree. But there's a, there's a part of Christ that is still high priestly. In terms of, in terms of ministry, what I mean is that there's a part of the, the nature of Christ which it will only take a high ministry, priestly ministry to produce. When you start getting, if a soul starts getting towards the closer to the veil and says, ah, I, I'm really enjoying priestly ministry, there's a point you, you will not move to, forward. That soul will not bear the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Except there is a, there's a point in, the, in the, the, the growth of Christ that means the crowning work of Christ, only the high priest can do it. means only the high priest can finish Christ. To, to any soul who, do, who, is not have, who doesn't have access to high priestly ministry will be joining in Christ. We will we, join in Christ through the Levitical aspect, which is gain separation. You don't need, you don't need high priestly ministry to gain separation in the soul. Praise God. And there, there are measures of sanctification that high priestly ministry doesn't have to be involved with because they involve priestly affairs in Christ. But there is an aspect of the nature of Christ that, that is that involves the ministry of the beginning. It involves, you need to begin to, to begin to capture a beginning thought. What will seal the nature of Christ is not pure priestly ministry. The priestly ministry will build up the, the stature. But to seal that stature of Christ, it takes a high priestly ministry. Who needs to come into his temple? There's still things that he needs to do. That, that, that prophecy of Malachi, right? That, talking about the messenger of the covenant, that's not priestly ministry. It's talking about the messenger, who they sent from within to come, right? And by the time he's coming there to do those things, in Malachi chapter 3, that's not the beginning of purging. That soul that they need to do those things in has experienced, if you know what that soul has gone through. That soul has gone through things. That, that soul is already in the... Uh, praise God. That soul has already gone far spiritually. All, all that is remaining is to be able to make an offering in righteousness. That, you see, that's the reason for that ministry of Malachi chapter 3. Do we have to read it? Let's, for those of us who are not too familiar with it, let's just quickly read it. Amen. Hey, praise God. I hope this level of teaching today is okay. I, don't, I hope that... Praise God. 
Is this okay with everybody? Amen. Malachi chapter 3 from verse 1, it says, that behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And then the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come into his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, praise God, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, said the Lord of hosts. Praise God. So this Lord whom you seek is not, is not the first Lord. There is a first Lord that makes you a seeker. There's a, there's a first law that begins, that begins that's the, who they call the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. But there's another law they call the Lord Almighty. That Lord Almighty is the, the, is the Lord who comes from within, whom the Lord will make you to seek. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is the, and, and the seekers of the Lord Almighty are who they call virgins. It's a, 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 a virgin soul. Praise God. It's, you know, and you know, it's not every virgin soul that is fully ready for to be received by the bridegroom. We saw that virgins can still be foolish. Jesus pointed that out. They are virgins, though. It's not that they are not virgins. To, and to get to a virgin state, to produce virgin is the work of priestly ministry. So it's very clear that all of those virgins were priests, both wise and foolish. They are all priests. But that foolishness is... Foolishness according to a sense. For them to be by that gate alone, they are wise. Yeah. Sorry, not they are wise. They are virgins, sorry. Because not everybody is at that gate. There are other guys who don't even care about what's bridegroom, me and bridegroom, we don't care. What's my business with that one? And they are born again Christians. They are Christians who don't care. Is any bridegroom coming? It's not their business. That's your own trouble. That's your headache. Follow your headache. Go and do your thing. We have our own things that we are doing. They don't care about coming of the Lord. Say coming. coming. Not every soul has a feeling about the coming of the Lord. It's not every soul that has a, that, that is the problem to them. Who cares about his coming? Do you understand that? So that nature, that's one of the things that the spiritual nature works out in a soul. The sign that a soul is becoming spiritual is a burden concerning the coming of the, of the Lord begin to rest. Praise the Lord. So then, so the Lord who will come is the Lord who they seek. The Lord whom you seek. So you must have been a seeker of him. To make a soul a seeker is not easy to make a soul. That's not a worldly soul. A worldly soul, I mean a fully worldly soul or a carnal soul doesn't have that property of staying in the temple and seeking. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing that? So the Lord who you seek then he shall suddenly come into his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, said the Lord of hosts, but who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. Praise God, and he shall Purify the sons of Levi and purge them as what gold and silver, that they may do what? Offer up unto the Lord an offering in what? Righteousness. So it's very clear to you that any, when they say silver here, yeah, silver is not an ordinary vessel, right? These vessels who have become vessels of silver, is very, they, they must have been vessels of earth before. Clay. 
they maybe they, they were raised into bronze vessel, vessels of brass. Those are levels of increase of vessel. So you see, this ministry doesn't go below silver. This is the so it's very clear. High priestly ministry is a ministry of gold and silver. Right? The, the high priestly ministry ministers to, to gold, to golden vessel in the most holy. There's a ministry to golden souls in the most holy place. But there's also a, a part of the high priestly ministry to a silver soul in the holy place. But it doesn't go below that. If you are below that level, you're not a candidate yet for what? For high priestly ministry. So you now realize that even silver, praise God, still has a purification. This purification is the things which the priest cannot see. What the priest has finished his work. And then he feels he has, what a shine. Have you seen silver before? Those, those things are shining things. But there is still something, praise the Lord, which the, the, high, the high priest, when he comes with his own eyes, it will become a what? Who shall abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeared for? He is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the what? The sons of Levi, and then purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the word the Lord an offering. So this offering righteousness is talking about the fulfillment of righteousness. There is the difference between sacrifices of righteousness and offering of righteousness. These beings have been doing sacrifices of righteousness for a long time, but they've never, see, they said an offering. It means they've never done it before. Praise the Lord. They've never what? They've never done it before. He's talking about to make the soul be able to make the first offering. What, when you hear the word offering, Offering means what God himself collects, right? What God himself will receive. What God himself will do what? Will receive. God will, there are many, God will have season of receiving. Many, there are seasons of receiving. When a soul moves into the most holy place, that soul still has to be offering. The, the, The most holy place is the world of offerings, It means that every soul, I'm sorry I'm speaking this way, I'm sorry. Praise God. Um, I hope I'm not, I know most of you guys have just flowing what I'm saying, but I'm thinking of those few people who might feel like they're not really fully understanding what I'm saying. Amen. And if you're such a person, don't worry. Praise the Lord. It's okay. I'm, I'm very, very convinced that the Lord wants us to speak in this way. And the Lord can really, really bless us. Don't worry. Have faith. Open up your heart. Amen. The Lord can, if you're such a person, why are you talking about all this in most holy offering? If it sounds a bit different. Don't worry about that. The Lord can, the Lord will bless you. Praise the Lord. It, so I said the most holy realm of God, when you say most holy, before God will receive offering from, in, from a soul, a man, God will wait till it's most holy. God doesn't take offering it has to have most holy property. Most holy. Even when it's time to receive the soul into the most holy, they have to send property of the most holy to give the soul. 
to come with. You understand what I'm saying? So the most holy realm is the realm of offering. Then you now see, ah, they now begin to, to raise the soul in offering. They begin to teach the soul about offering. Praise the Lord. In the, is the, 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 the purpose of the most holy is the perfection of offering. The, the purpose of the holy place is the perfection of sacrifices. It's not the same thing. To be honest with you, God does not receive sacrifices. God doesn't receive. These are not the same thing in the Bible. God does actually, does not really, when someone, when you say this is a sacrifice, it's for you. Sacrifices is a man bringing what he can, what he can muster, what he can muster from his own world, from his own realm. And God, and God can demand for that. When, the fact that God demanded for something doesn't mean he wants to use it. It's not everything God can use. Right? When God demands for something, there are many things that God is demanding from us. It's not that God really wants them or God can use them. Because they can't, God can't hold a lot of things that we, we do. But it is for your change. You cannot purify the soul without the soul having without measure of sacrifice. The holy place is a world of sacrifice. Praise God. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing the difference between sacrifice and offering? So, sacrifice is the pouring out of one's life. Right? Sacrifice is the pouring out of one's life. How do you, do, when you are going through season of sacrifices, is when God will bring things around you to, to make your life leak out. Yeah. They will take things that are attached to you. God, God will demand it, not because he needs it or is useful to him. God will want to take it so you can go through the exercise of, it's called sacrifice. Make the sacrifice of it to let it go. Nobody can lose their life without sacrifice of something. But, so it's very clear that, that then that sacrifice, but offering is different. Offering is what God can use. Do you understand what I mean? So, so it's very clear. No, any soul that hasn't received installation of God's own life cannot offer it back to him. So offering, so a soul that can make an offering in righteousness is a is a high is a soul that has been greatly helped by God. Praise the Lord. That whom God lo- God loves, he chastises, and then scourges every son whom he whom he receiveth. So that son that has gotten to a point of being receiving, being received has gone through many chastisement. Praise God. Which, and every chastisement is a sacrifice. The purpose of, ch- of chastisement is to give avenue for sacrifice. And Satan shapes soul against sacrifice. We don't like sacrifice. Neither do we like offering. We don't like anyone. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. We don't like anyone, any of those things at all. 
even when we, you teach it, it sounds sweet. We lay a sacrifice, but when it's time to do it, we don't like sacrifice. That is one of the things that men hate. We have a violent, passionate hatred for sacrifice and for offering. Anything, when it comes to detaching things from you, letting go, are you getting what I'm saying? Ahem. That thing is a very, very difficult thing. So that's why it involves chastisement. So nobody goes through the cause of sacrifices without chastisement. Amen. God does not... Sacrifice is not a bad thing. It's just when you, when you want to sacrifice bulls and goats, that's when God doesn't have, he doesn't have interest in that. But when it comes to in the... New Testament, they are the kind of sacrifices which God likes. In the same place where God, he said God did not take the light in sacrifices, and then later he began to say, now the sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. You know, he's the same one who said that God doesn't take the light in sacrifices and all, but he was, he was talking about bowls, goats, all of those things. He's talking about the kind that man would calculate and agree to come and give. Is that the one that you will, you will now you will share it. You say, okay, this is my own. I like this one. And this one, I will spare this one and give it to you. Amen. Then David, when David hit the, the, the secret of sacrifice, he said something. Ah! He said, I will not give God something that costs me nothing. You know, David said that. He, he, that was when he had broken into the... You know, David was, there was New Testament spirit around him for the purpose of the scriptures was able to, to, because if not for him, we would not know some of all these things. So, it, so it's, it's, it's very clear that it's, something that costs me nothing, I won't be able to give God. It means that such a soul, any soul that can sacrifice to God has been helped greatly. That it's not in the nature of a man to sacrifice. That something must come upon, that's one of the, the main purposes of grace. The reason for grace is to, to make a man drunk to sacrifice, to intoxicate the soul and empower the soul in a strange way to, to let him let go of what is, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Amen. So grace is what makes sacrifice acceptable to God. That's why the sacrifices is actually the breaking of the heart and the contriteness of the spirit. That, that, that spirit means the attitude around the heart. The attitude around the heart. So a soul that's not broken and contrite cannot raise sacrifice to God. The sacrifice of God are a broken heart and what? And a contrite spirit. A broken heart and a contrite spirit. Praise God. So in the school of Christ, they are trying to, they, are, they walk on the soul. They want to attain brokenness. They attain contriteness, brokenness, Contriteness, brokenness. Con- it's from one level to another. They, 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 broke, they broke you today. They, will, they have come again tomorrow. They want to break you again another way to, to make, because they cannot, to, to, to make a soul. Kai, praise the Lord. Whoa, to finish. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That's a tongue. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Glory to Jesus. Amen. 
those are the things. Do you see that? Those are the things that, that makes a man or a soul not clean. It's not the things that we think that are the impurities to his soul. The, to God, when God sees impurity in a man, what God is is what is stopping him from that man? What is preventing this man from? Of course, when God wants to, they want to calculate what is making God not able to be close to this man. They will check. It's not a deficit of Ken's concern in God's heart towards him. No. It's we have to go to the man's side and check why. You will now see that there's a great deficit of need for God and desire for God. And like, why is that thing there? He has many things around his soul. So you can see something that seems very just nice and natural, good in the natural. To heaven, they can sum it up as an impurity. That this thing is actually an impurity. Why? Because it gives the soul a kind of a confidence and safety that makes the soul not have brokenness and need for God. So because of that, God can't look their way. Say, unto this man will I look. He does have a broken heart and of a contrite spirit. He has that trembles at my word. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Amen. So that season of the of the of of the journey of sanctification, which we also saw is the season of mourning, season of sackcloth. Are you seeing all those things we saw? Mourning, sackcloth, season of heaviness, and what season of ashes. What is ashes? You, fire has run through and removed everything, and then just taking out everything. Fire. That's when, when you see sacrifice is done by fire. Go we'll and read the book of, of Leviticus, and an offering made by fire. An offering made by. Any times you see that, that that term in Leviticus, and praise God. An offering made by fire. It must be made by fire. They use fire. The fire has to come through. Praise the Lord. So, are you getting? So, if the same thing that act on sacrifice is the same act, active um, actor of the sanctuary, you know that they are the same thing. That. The, what, they, what they want to do in the sanctuary, the sanctuary is the place where they receive the sacrifice of souls through. Are you seeing that? That fire burning through of the sanctuary is actually the receiving of sacrifice. Is the, the metaphor for the collection of sacrifice. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? When they when you, they put they create an altar, you know an altar is there's a wisdom behind the altar. Altar is not just you put something together and then you light kerosene and fire. No, the altar is a design, an engineering of wisdom. That, that that when they light it, that that altar must be strong to swallow up everything, lick up the entire sacrifice, and nothing is left. It, mo- it must have the power to reduce it to ashes. If the flame of that altar cannot reduce what you put there to ashes, it's not strong enough. It's not a good altar. So you see that, you see that Levitical side, that's the beginning of offering. <laughs> when, you, when you're getting close to the door of the sanctuary, that giant brazen thing there is the first level of what? I mean, that's, that's the one that receives sacrifice that still has raw blood, flesh. Sorry. Mainly flesh. You see the raw flesh. They put raw flesh on top of that altar of that, that place. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
That's the first level. The, the ultimate one is when you've reduced it and you bring only the blood. It means flesh has gone. There's still blood, but that blood is not, it's not there. It's not really the, fully the acceptable blood yet. That's the final. The, the, the journey of the sanctuary is, is to take the sacrifice of blood. Do you understand? It? It's, to, it's to journey and then begin to, this, to, to deal with the sacrifice of blood. That's the process of sanctification of the sanctuary. Praise the Lord. So, amen. So each altar is designed to consume. It's to consume. It's to consume. The season of Christ. Christ is for to do what? Consume. To consume a soul. To consume all the what? Impurities that a soul has. Amen. Praise God. Are we blessed today? Yes, then then we're, now, we're now looking at Christ, we're looking at the further season of Christ, like that ending season of Christ, which is at the point where the soul then begins to get ready for, a, for high priestly ministry, right? Which is the, the introduction of the soul to season of offering, right? To where a soul can Offer. Now, what's the meaning of offering? Offering means to, when you are raised to bring something that God can use. Praise God. When we're talking about offering sacrifice, no, you're not thinking of anything outside yourself. You can say, oh, my sacrifice is to give money. Yeah, you give money. But if that money doesn't cost you something, the something there is soul. There's an amount of money you can give that didn't tamper with your soul. That's not the kind. It's not a sacrifice. There are things you give that doesn't touch. It hasn't. It hasn't dislodged something. It's not a cost to the soul. Right? It means that inside the soul, the gain of that thing is still inside the soul. It's not everything the person gives up physically that has made that, that makes him suffer loss. In fact, someone can be giving money, but it's actually gaining. When you check the bank account, the bank account has reduced, but other things have been gained. There are things that can be added to the soul. Are you getting what I'm saying? A lot of times when someone is gaining the whole world, it's not just physical cash. Someone can give all their goods to the, to the poor, and they've just gained the world. Do you understand what I mean? Do you, know, do you get what I mean? There are, there are deeper things, talking about the soul. What will it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? So that the soul that, the soul that gains the world is not just the physical things in the world. Those physical things are just instruments through which soul can gain, which a, a person can gain the world with their soul. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Someone can give money, he just gain pride. It's a serious gain. He has just gained a very high level of pride in his soul. Means at that point, his soul has gained more things than before he gave or she gave the money. Someone can just do an act of service and they just gained. It's, it translates to gain, not sacrifice. So these are very slippery things. Amen. So, so the reason for priestly school is to teach these things. You must not be ignorant concerning your soul. 
Christianity is not some surface kind of thing that you do, and we did this, we did that, we went here, we are there, we're part of this. We're, ah, were you there? I was there. Ah, do you hear? Do you go to that program? We went to, we're the ones that, that's not, that's not the thing. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Beyond those things, we're talking about, we're talking about when you're, the reason for the school of the Spirit is to, to make you enlightened concerning the soul. You, you have to know what the devil is doing and what God is doing. And you have to know what kind of dealings and interactions and work and what kind of transaction on the earth can either add to you or take away from you. Only the scripture can teach this thing. There's no other body of knowledge, no other textbook that can explain to the soul. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yes, sir. The, these intricate matters and dissect the soul, praise the Lord, and give a verdict to the soul concerning the soul standing with God. Praise the Lord. Am I making some sense to you? So, so sacrifices is the season of sacrifices uh, is a season the soul must undergo. The reason for sacrifice is you want to, you want to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice to, to a point where you can pick value in the spirit. When a soul has peak values, when something enters your soul that God can desire. Solomon spoke, sang about it, talking about here under the shadow, I sit with great delight. He said, that's a song, right? But it was from Solomon. He was talking about the, your fruit being sweet to my taste. That was the, the, the praise God. Amen. The fruit, fruit is talking about, amen. The peaceable fruit of righteousness is the first fruit that God will get from his soul, right? So when his soul has, has arrived at the peaceable fruit of righteousness, it means you, you've, you've come into the, the first thing God can ever have. That's the first offering. Do you understand what I mean? That's that book of Hebrews, right? That no, trans, no, no, no chastisement is... Let's read it quickly. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Father, we thank you. Verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Praise God. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and what? Leave. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be what? Partakers of his what? Holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but, but grievous. Are you seeing that? But nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit 
of righteousness unto them which are what? Exercised thereby. So that thing called the peaceable fruit of righteousness is the, is the beginning. When he, when he was speaking about that, they might offer an offering in righteousness. He's talking about this particular fruit. Malachi chapter 3, right? That's the reason for his purging the high priestly ministries to priests will walk on the soul and walk and walk. They've done all they can, but hi, this thing can't bear fruit. There's another ministry with the wisdom of how to produce a fruit. It's not that the soul is not bearing fruit all the time, but it's not every fruit that is an offering that God can receive. So, what makes the soul bear the offering that God will receive is the ministry of, you must send forth the messenger of the covenant. One of the things that the covenant does is it causes, it causes fruitfulness. It causes fruitfulness out of dead things. That's the nature he said, you quicken the dead, call it those things which be not as though they were. That's actually God's nature. That, that nature, the nature of that within is, the, is, the, is the, God is the actor on the dead. Like things that are completely dead to him. He knows how to produce fruitfulness. Do you understand? He will bring forth what? Fruitfulness. So when they brought Aaron's rod, that was a sign. They put Aaron's rod, the sign of that, that dimension of the presence. Bring a dry stick there. The work brought came up the next day. They saw what the thing had bothered because of the nature of that kind of place. The, the presence of that place can cause what life to come out of. You know, a stick is not a stick is not like a branch of a tree that you went to plant that live with that. No, no. You're talking about a refined something that has died a long time ago. They put polish on it. They ref- it's a furniture. It's, a, it's actually a they must have treated it, and they treated it intentionally for life never to come out of it again. So, like your table at home can never grow leaf because it has passed that, that thing a long time ago. They extracted every, they made sure that it's been treated, and it should never, ever try to do that. <laughs> Amen. That's the kind of thing that God, are you getting what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. So, so to to, to this peaceable fruit is, is, the, is the beginning of the nature. The power for such a thing is not, doesn't reside in the priesthood. It's a high priest who has the power, such an ability to bring such a thing to pass. A, a part of the ministry of the high priest, or what you call everlasting ministry, you also call it the fatherly ministry. It's the same thing. The fatherly ministry is the ministry of fruit bearing. Right? The ministry of fruit bearing is the, is the ministry of fatherhood. A father is the, is the person who can walk to make sure fruit is born. Do you get what I'm, my sense? A father hasn't finished training his child, his son, until the son has a child. In other words, as long as he's still just a son, he hasn't finished, the father isn't done. Then the day he becomes a father too, 
you are now a father. The, the job of fatherhood has been complete. So the work of a father is also to produce a, a fruit bearer. Is to, make an, is to make an offspring bear fruit. That's the, that's the fatherly, the work of, the, of fatherhood. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the, that's the whole chapter of, of John chapter 15. Right? He said, I am the vine. My father is the what? Husbandman. That husband, or they call him the vine dresser. So any branch in me that what? Does not bear fruit. He will do what? He will prune it. Praise God. So he's, the, the work of the father is to deal with that vine. He's concerned about the word fruit bearing of what? Of the vine. Praise the Lord. So now there's fruit bearing in, there's a fruit bearing of the nature of Christ, but there is the, there's a fruit, peaceable fruit of righteousness which is the fruit of the nature of Christ, which God will receive. Am I making some sense to you? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. You see that particular fruit? That's the, that's, that fruit is the... Only there's a particular light that brings, that can ex- cause such a fruit to come out of his soul. That light is the light of the beginning. Is the light of the beginning. Is the light of fruit bearing. Is a beginning light. Is a, a sense. Is a sense of the beginning. That was that was the that was the sense also. That praise God, Amen. Thank you, Father. Let me not go to that place, but amen. Um, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, please, let's go to John so that we can make some progress there. Glory to Jesus. So in First John chapter, chapter three. First John three <clears throat> verse eleven it says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should do what? Love one another. Praise God. Let's go back to chapter 1. Okay. 
praise the Lord. Verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. It says that this then is the message which you have heard from the beginning. You have heard of him, sorry. And declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, right? And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the word, we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of who? Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from what? All sin. Amen. There's something that the Lord wants me to say. Amen. Thank you. There's something the Lord wants me to say, but I went there, but somehow... I didn't say it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Amen. Thank you, Father. <coughs> Hebrews 9. Okay, praise God. Okay. Mm. So in Hebrews 9, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So from verse 11, he was saying, but Christ being come and high priest. Are you seeing this verse here? Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this word, building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained what? Eternal redemption for us. Verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, that how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Forge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So, there is the verse 14 is talking about a work that must be done so that the soul can begin to serve the living God. Serving the living God is also a work that 
the soul will need to do. But in order for the soul to, to serve the living God, this, the conscience must be purged from dead works. Amen. Now, purging from dead works of the conscience is the first aspect of the ministry of the blood of Jesus. It's the first aspect of the ministry of the blood of Jesus. Purging the conscience from what? Dead works. Serving the living God is also a ministry of the blood of Jesus. Right? The reason for serving the living God. Who is the living God? The living God is the God of the beginning. Right? That's the living God. The, the living God is the God who the who, who John was referring to in that first John chapter one. In first John chapter one. What is the God saying? All these things today. Amen. First John chapter one. Amen. Okay. Praise God. Very quickly, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Praise God. So, 1 John, verse 5, is saying, talking about the message. The message which we have heard of him, right? And declare unto you that God is light. And then in him is no what? God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Okay? Now, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from what? From all sin. Okay? The blood of Jesus is Son. So if we walk in the light, that walking in the light, as he is in the light, we have to with one another. So this light which you walk in is talking about the same light which he is walking in. Now, the light which he is walking, let's read chapter 2 very quickly. Praise God. Yeah. Chapter 2, verse 5. It says, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, right? Thereby we know, know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. So, then now we're going to speak about the commandment and all that. So, this, this walk here, is the, this walk here is the walk of the living, right? Or is actually talking about the demonstration of the life of God. Or he's talking about the season of the shining of the light of God, God's own light. The season of the shining of God's own light. Praise the Lord or the light of God's own life. <laughs> so, the season of this walk, when a soul 
He's walking as he walked. He's talking about the season when a soul is serving who? The living God. But to be able to serve the living God, there is a season that the soul must, be, must, be, must graduate from. Is, is graduating, is a graduation from something. That something is actually a purging, right? This purging from dead works, which must occur to the soul. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now back to Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 11, um, speaking of Christ, the coming of Christ as an high priest of good things to come. Now, this coming here is not the, is not this Christ who is coming, he's not talking about the, the everlasting ministry of Jesus. He's talking of Jesus who is an high priest, but he has and is a high priest of good things that are to come. He is come, but there are good things to come that hasn't yet come. But there's a ministry that him being come has to do to make the soul a partaker of those good things to come. Praise the Lord. So, this him being calm and high priest, Christ being calm. They're talking about the high priestly ministry of Christ. Amen. The high priestly what? Ministry of Christ. When he comes here, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. So he's talking about those good things to come. They are coming by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place. Scripture doesn't make a mistake. The holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. So, they're talking about a Christ who is coming, who has obtained eternal redemption, but coming as a Christ, or, or this Coming is bringing some sort of ministry or bringing some sort of appearance, praise the Lord, that after he has obtained eternal redemption, there is a place where he must come into. Amen. Which is also his temple. This is also the, the coming of, a, of him. So it's very, it's very clear. This Christ being come, is coming as an high priest of good things to come is the messenger of the covenant. Amen. He's the messenger of the covenant who will come into the holy place. Then he now began to say, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an hypha, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, then how much more shall the blood of Christ? So this what blood of Christ here is not talking about the blood of, there is what you call the blood of the everlasting covenant. There's the blood of God, but Blood of Christ is talking about an, an aspect of the blood. Amen. An aspect of what? An aspect of the blood, the, the beginning aspect of the blood. I told you that the first side of the blood that, that is capable of marrying the divine. 
that aspect of the blood as able to marry the divine is what you call the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is the, is the aspect of or the, the dimension of the nature of Christ that the soul will get into when the soul has received property, has shared some genetics with, with Christ at a level. Mm-hmm. So when you look at Jesus' blood, you see inside Jesus' blood, you see natures inside there. Um, but inside Jesus' blood, you will see the Christ nature in the blood of Jesus. The Christ nature in the blood of Jesus is not the Levitical nature, even though the Levitical nature is also a Christ. Right? Every, every lover is who you call a king of righteousness or somebody who has attained separation. But you will, it's not, that is not the, the, the pedigree of Christ. When you see the Christ in the blood of Jesus, the Christ nature in Jesus' blood is not the Levitical nature. Neither is it a semi-sanctified nature. The, the Christ nature in, in the blood of Jesus is the nature of a perfect man, is, a, is, a, is the, the full spiritual man who has come into the fullness of Christ, the nature of the fullness of Christ. That is the nature that registers in the blood. Any nature below that, you won't find that in the blood. Anytime you hear the, the blood of Jesus, the blood doesn't include everything. It's not everything that's blood. There's, there's what you call water first. Out of, out of the blood flows water. There's water, and that water, amen, is also a part of Christ's product of Christ that can flow out of Christ. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So, but when you talk about the blood, blood means, you need to understand what's the meaning. Any time you hear blood, blood means without impurity. That's just the meaning of blood. Any blood that has impurity is bad. Right? Blood is sterile. Is there anybody who disagrees with me? Right? Blood is sterile, right? Blood, I mean, the blood flowing inside your bloodstream. You can't put a, a bacteria can't get in there. If a bacteria gets into your blood, you're in serious trouble. You are like, you're not even in a little trouble. You are in a serious trouble if bacteria gets into the bloodstream. There's, there's things, the systems in the body to ensure that the, 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 the blood is 100% sterile. That constantly, once any bacteria drops, tries to access the blood, you begin to see your body begins to move. All your, your cells, your white blood cells, all of those things begin to act against those bacteria. You get, viruses are a different thing altogether. There's what you call virus, but that's a different kind of something. Amen. But um, um, so blood, blood means everything in the blood is a finished life. When you talk about the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus talks about natures that have finished, finished natures in him. In the blood of Jesus, you won't see the nature of an almost Christ. It's just 
It's almost like Christ. He just eats. There's also a few, a few things he still likes. He's almost there. Do you get what I'm saying? Then you, you haven't, you have, then that soul hasn't fully partaken of the cup of the blood or, or the cup of the testament that is in the blood. You understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> now, so there is the ministry of the blood of Christ. The ministry of the blood of Christ is anytime you see handling of blood, that's one thing that a high priest is meant to handle. Do you get what I mean? The, it's not everything, there are, there, are, there, are, there are dealings in the sanctuary that does not include the handling of blood. There are things in the sanctuary, there are things that priests can handle and all that. But when it comes to the ministry of pure blood, I don't mean flesh. Levites can handle the flesh of an animal. They can do sacrifice and all that. But when I'm talking about the ministry of blood, the ministry of blood is purely a high word, a priestly ministry. So the, it's very clear, the, the sprinkler of blood is the high priest. Right, the, the sprinkler of blood, the person who has the blood is the high priest. So it's very clear. You, you now see why the ministry of the blood of Christ must be administered by a high priest. It's a high priestly ministry. Even though it can, it's a ministry that can be done in, in the holy place. Do you see that? Because you see here, it talks about by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained, he has already obtained eternal redemption. All of those things are inside his blood. They are things, natures, that are inside the blood. Amen. But then after a while, he said, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot. So he offered himself without spot to God, and he will purge our conscience from dead works to do what? To serve. So that purging from dead works. Purging. Say purging. The word purge means complete removal. Complete eradication. And the, the, the season, the ministry of purging is the, amen, the ministry of purging, thank you Jesus, is the is higher than just the ministry of, of, um, of sanctification. Because sanctification is some of a progressive kind of work that is done. But when it says something has been purged, amen. Praise the Lord. When he says something has been purged, what does it mean? It means that something has been removed what? Has been removed completely. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Malachi chapter 3, verse 3. Malachi 3, verse 3. Amen. Glory to Jesus. And it says, and he shall do what? Sit as a refiner and what? A purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as what? Silver. As gold and what? Silver. So that they may offer unto the Lord and what? 
offering in what? In righteousness. So, so it's very clear that that word purging is very necessary for that word offering, what he calls the offering in what? In righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Now, so souls who have, who have, souls who have, um, who have, who have, who have been raised into that ministry, the ministry of things being purged. Purged means removed. Removed. Amen. Things being what? Removed. Thank you, Jesus. No, there are things that have to be removed from the soul for God to build his own life, an everlasting life. Like when Jesus Christ began to walk that three and a half years, when God said, this is my beloved son, that son has been purged. Jesus has been purged. Right? If he's not been purged, they will never call him the lamb of God. Right? A lamb is an animal that has been purged. Right? If, an, if the lamb has, if he hasn't been purged, he will not be able to be led to the slaughter. There will be other things talking to him, other things calling him, other things distracting him. But you see that work of being led to the slaughter is another thing. Is a, that's the service of the living God. It's another kind of service, but it is another kind of dealing without sin. It's an operation. It's another season of appearance. Say to them that look for him, shall he appear again the second time without sin? That's another season of dealings and appearance. But any soul who will come into that dealing must come into a place where they have without sin. It means the, the conscience has been purged from dead works to serve the living God. This thing, and we need to preach this thing and preach it and preach it and preach it and preach it until the soul begins to see it. As, because there are many battles we have to fight. First of all, we don't even agree that this is a real thing. Like, it might just be like a story. Okay, purge, purge, purge. And then you read purge. But sometimes our sinfulness convinces us more than, me, than preaching of the gospel. That when you hear gospel, then your sin will tell you, look at me. Do I look like something that can be purged to you? As you are hearing purge, purge, your sin is telling you, look at, look at me. Can I be purged? You feel that I can be purged. It's a, a testimony. Sin speaks. Sin talks. Sin is convincing that you see me and you, we're going to be here. This thing that we, this, our covenant is a strong covenant. It can never be broken. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Some of you don't understand what I'm trying to say. Okay. Amen. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Uh, if I, you understand, tell me you understand. Uh-huh. It's like, is it too heavy for us or something? We're just tired. Maybe it's too boring. Ah, what are you talking about? Purging, all these things. Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This is our life. Amen. If we don't want to do these things, then we'll say, okay, let's leave it. There's no soul who will not meet this question. Either you want to answer the question now or not. Or you want, if someone can live their whole life and live, when you get to heaven, you start talking about purging. If you still have sin, it will still be a problem. Some souls will carry their sin to heaven like that with them. There's no escape. There's no escape. There's no escape from this thing. 
There's no escape. Nobody, he, he scourges every son whom he receiveth. God can never receive a soul. Are you seeing all those things that minister to you that we are going to be like this forever? There will be a day you will be forced. Either you, you do it in the season when it should be done, when the grace is right for it, at all, or the soul will do it in pain and sorrow later. Do, 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 you, do you know the amount of pain and sorrow that will be happening in heaven? Not just heaven, in the world to come. In the world to come. A lot of what you see in the world to come is the heavenly dimension of it. That's all those the gold, all those things. They didn't talk too much about the earth of the world to come. Because it's new heaven and new earth. It's not every Christian that's going to the new heaven, no. An earthly soul will never appear in the new heaven. Is it earthly? New earth. Is it heavenly soul? New heaven. Earthly soul, new earth. Heavenly soul, new heaven. They will never make a mistake. So a soul who is still earthly, you know where you are going to. So in the new, when they said they shall, there is no more sorrow there, no tear. They wipe every tear from their eye. They're talking about the new Jerusalem that came out of God from heaven. It's not, it's not everybody in the world to come, sir and ma. There are people who, there who will be dealing with their sorrow in pain and in sorrow. Why? What will be the pain of that world? The pain of that world is the contrast between riches and poverty. It will be real. I'm not, not money. I mean poverty of soul. There will be poor souls in the earth of the world to come who are wretched and beggarly. And it's not a good thing for a soul to be that way. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So if, if a soul doesn't deal with those things that we have in us, that we postpone, this season, when we say, ah, oh, we're talking of mourning and all those things now, that's a good morning, no. It's not the same kind of a season, when you're trying to do it outside this season, when it's not supposed to be done. Or do you get what I'm trying to tell you? Uh-huh. Is, is that don't think that if you carry natures that are not of God and Christ, you see things in you based on light, based on revelation. You know, there's a way the soul can gloss over things. You see those things, they're not going to disappear. Do you get me? They're not going to what? When you see attitudes that are contrary to the life of charity, contrary to charity out of a pure heart, unfeigned faith, love of the brethren, you've seen those things that they are not going to disappear if they are not dealt with, if they are not purged. Those things must be purged. Are you getting what I'm saying? So this time is a season. There's a way God is doing it now to accelerate the process. It's a season of blessing. Praise God. Amen. Do you get what I'm trying to say to you? Thank you, Jesus. So, so it's a soul that has gained access to the ministry of the blood or the school of the blood of Christ. Those are the, the souls who are brought into the DNA of Christ in the blood of Jesus. Those are the people you call brethren. So, those who are brethren are who the New Testament called brethren 
are not just people who have some nature of Christ. Right? Those who are brethren in Christ, who are they? They are people under the ministry of the high priest. People who have begun to be, who have, who have been raised into the beginning conversation. Beginning. Because when the high priest is coming, he's coming with the, he's coming with the, he's coming with the beginning light. Right? The light of the beginning. Yeah, so there's, there's a portion of the beginning light which they minister to Christ to seal them up. Amen. That's why, that is one of the main messages of John. If you read John's gospel, John's gospel wasn't just purely teaching everlasting life alone. It wasn't just purely teaching just everlasting life. Or John wasn't only teaching the service of God. That, that was part of his teaching, but that was not all his message. It was, he, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just teaching the service of God. He was teaching, he came to teach. John's message traveled as far, began from the point where how far does the everlasting, I don't know his word everlasting, how far does that beginning light travel? You get what I'm saying? Where does it go to? It's fine that that beginning light, it first, it first of all does a crowning work of Christ that only that light can do. That's why you'll be wondering, why are they teaching Christ? He said vision of his life meeting, let's do, learn, learn Christ. Why is he everlasting life? All our programs are everlasting life. Look, you cannot, there'll be a time. If, if a Christ is, never touches the everlasting, everlasting thought, it will never arrive at the end of the commandment. What would bring something to his end was be something greater than it. When you see, read it, it's just a wisdom of scripture. You see it. They didn't say, ah, when it's time, the white virgins should find their way inside the door. They don't have what it takes to pass that door. They don't have what it takes to open the door. They have, someone must come out from there and take them in. That's the way it works. Do you understand? The, the power to cross the gate is not within them. Do you get what I'm saying? Something from within has to come out. It's, it's, it's actually a ministry. There's, that, there's a traffic at that second veil. For anybody who crosses, something came out to meet them from the, from the most holy. There's a ministry of most holy things. That is a portion of the, the crowning ministry of the spiritual nature. There is, a, there is an aspect of Christ's life that only everlasting light can shed. Now you say, oh, okay. The reason why we have not been getting to the end of the commandment is that there's some things about this commandment that are not fully arranged because you need the higher light to really see them and to see them properly. That's the ministry of the blood. The ministry of the blood of Christ. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we bless your name. Amen. So that first John chapter, first John 2, 
Glory to Jesus. From verse, so verse 6, it said, He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as what? He walked, verse 7, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, right? But an old commandment, which ye had from where? From the beginning. Then the old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Then he now says, a new, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is what true in him and in you, because what the darkness is past, and then what the true light now shineth. And he that said he is in the light and hated his brother is in darkness, even what until now. So, so John is, when he's talking, he's like he's in between, he's in a realm. He's talking between two, two worlds. Two worlds that this ministry applies to. He, he's talking to, to those who, to whom darkness is past, but to those who darkness is not really fully past. And how he can tell that they, the darkness hasn't really passed is what? The love of the brethren. Are you seeing that now? So when he's saying darkness with respect to love of the brethren, is he saying that such a soul has no light at all? No. He's talking about they are, they are still in darkness in terms of the light with his ministry. Right? When I say that the light which John is ministering, is John is the apostle who they sent to minister the light within the light. The light which the first light opens up. When he says, in your light we we'll, we'll see light. With, he, with you are the fountain of life. For in your light we shall see light. So he's talking about the, the, that somebody who is in that light but in terms of the light, we should be seen in light. That soul is still in darkness. Amen. Uh-huh. So they're not talking about in Christ. So there is another season. There is a particular light that, is, that must shine for a soul to finish their cause in Christ. Yes, yes. There's a, it is a, it's a fresh light. It's, an, it's a light that you will journey, ah, well, we're in Christ, we're in Christ, we're doing Christ, we're doing Christ. After a while, there's a light you need to begin to see. That this light is a light that will, that is the light that unveils brotherhood. That makes you see brotherhood. Not every, not every soul who has been journeying in Christ has gotten to a point where they can, they, when I say see brotherhood, they, they can see the, the laws of brotherhood. They can see the, the laws. They can see the covenant of brotherhood. What's the covenant of brotherhood? It's talking about the information in the blood of Christ. There's an information in the blood of Christ that must be received by soul. That when he sees that information, then it, that soul is a light that the soul must inherit. Then when the soul inherits that light, that soul can now say, ah, I have, 
passed from death. Say we have passed from death unto life because we what? Love the brethren. We have passed from death unto life. What is that death unto life? Passed from death unto life because we love what? The brethren. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's read on very quickly. It says, He that said he is in the light and hated his brother is in darkness even until now. But he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none what occasion of what stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth. Because that darkness had done what? Had blinded his eyes. Praise God. So, now, walking in darkness is the opposite of walking in light in John chapter 1. 1 John 1, verse 1. Let's see. Verse, let's just read quickly from verse 5. It says that, Then this is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is what? No darkness at all. There is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not in the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what fellowship one with another. And then the blood of who? Of Jesus Christ, his what? Son, cleanseth us from what? All sin. Amen. The faith of the Son alone is not able to cleanse his soul from all sin. Just alone. I mean, having the faith, having the faith, being ministered that faith is not enough to cleanse a soul from what? From all sin. There is a life which that faith is supposed to push the soul into, right? For a soul to be cleansed from all sin, that soul must walk in the light. The soul must walk in the light. There is a light which... The, that faith is, the, is actually an energy to be able to accept an, a further light. That faith is a light, of course. It's a kind of light. But there's a, there's a further light, which you must, it's like there's something God that needs to happen to his soul to make you begin to see again. It's just, it's like another, it's another ministry there. If you can't see this scene I'm talking about, there are some things that will never leave you. There are some Things that will not leave the soul until, are you getting what I'm saying? This other light that begins to shine. And then until the soul begins to walk in this light. But it's easy to blindfold one's own self from it. Jesus said that this is the condemnation in John chapter 3. Praise God that... Light came into the world, but, but men love darkness 
rather than light because they are because their deeds were evil. They loved darkness. What is the meaning of loving darkness rather than light? Because their deeds were evil. They love, the, they love the ignorance of those things which that light is shedding. That's what darkness is. Darkness is talking about the ignoring. Let's ignore. There's an aspect of nature that, that is not... There's, a, there's, there's the, just the, the revelation of Christ, amen, in the faith, which the faith of the Son gives to the soul, which doesn't have some kind of higher strength to it, doesn't impose on the soul to fulfill some things. Like see this commandment of brotherhood. They are so deep. These are commandments that a soul can be enjoying the revelation of Christ and not be. And that revelation are not, they are not beckoning on the soul to, to deal with some things. You get what I'm saying? It is a sign of this other light is, is, is as if, is a, as if another layer of work begins to beckon to the soul, where the soul begins to see some righteousnesses that, ah, where the soul begins to be bothered to fulfill some righteousness that he wasn't too, you're not really bothered with before. There's some unrighteousness that can coexist with your revelation of Christ. Amen. That when it comes to such things, the soul is walking, but it's still walking in darkness. The soul can walk. This walk, they're talking of walking in darkness here, this is John's language. He's not talking of someone that is doing something, and he's not talking about somebody who is not obeying fate. This walk is a spiritual walk. They're actually walking in the spirit, but they are walking in darkness. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That is a walk. I'm talking about there's a walk in the spirit. Somebody's walking in the spirit, but there's a dimension of darkness they still have. Why? Because they are dark concerning the things, things that to take only the true light to unveil. The true light will unveil. The true light, there are things within the soul that only the true light. When the soul begins to interact with the true light, the true light begins to talk to the soul. Okay, what about this, this one now? This particular aspect. This particular. The, what the soul begins to see, there begins to be more, more, more definition, more clarity. Why? Because that light is coming to purge the conscience from dead works to purge the conscience from dead works. For that to happen, the soul must cooperate with that ministry. It's an, it's an inward cooperation. That dead work is talking about purging from dead works is the unveiling, the, the rolling out, out of another layer of standards. It's another layer of standards which another light begins to interpret to his soul. The eye that sees such things is that the soul begins to see it with the beginning eye. It's another eye. The beginning eye is a different eye. After the soul felt it was righteous, the beginning eye will begin to come and say, in the beginning it was not so. This one in the beginning it was not so. That one in the beginning it was not so. The other one in the beginning was not so. It was not so. 
was not so. It was not so. This one is not compatible with the beginning. You've journeyed far. Thank God for your spiritual nature, but this place, this point, this stance is still not compatible with the beginning. Thank God for this, your level of your love work. Thank you. They can congratulate you for your love work and everything, but they can then still come and say, this, that light can then come and say, you see this standard, thank you, very awesome, beautiful. Many are not doing this, but this one is still not compatible with the beginning. The beginning. What they want to push the soul to begin. God is anxious to, for souls to arrive at a point where they can begin with him. There's a, there's that conversation, oh, have I not tried? That must, anybody who says that, you have not, when you, when you say that, you don't understand this light. You are still walking in darkness. When the day this light begins to shine, that day, you not, that day it dawns on you. It's not a matter of trying. It's not a matter of, have I not tried? It's not a matter of, how far have we gone? Ah, I've come this far. It's not that. We are talking about, you are talking about the standard is no darkness at all. That is another standard of his soul that they can, they can register in his soul. That's what the true light does. The true light will register the soul into another consciousness. It's, it's time to offer, to make an offering in righteousness. The, you begin to see your soul, and you know this way you compare your soul with, with first of all, there's different levels of comparison. You first compare your soul with carnal people, you're better than them. You compare your soul with those who are born again who are not serious fellows. You, got, you know you're better than them. Then you compare your soul with spiritual people. I even, there's a, even my own spirituality, you know, I see how, this thing has levels. God has helped me, man. Somebody has come far. That's one sense. That's one sense. And Christ gives you that sense. See, those are senses. First, separation is a, is a sense. There are some of us who have gained that sense of separation that, that you, can, you can appreciate your separation by God's grace. There will come to a point you will begin to appreciate your sanctification. You know, there are things I no longer touch. That's one level of sense. Many of us are around that area of, of that kind of thing where you, 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 and that's a beautiful place, but there's another sense entirely. And, and heaven has to move. They have to move by doctrine, by word, by changing of commandment. They have to shift things. To bring soul to another place where the inward view is no longer about ah, measuring with standard of carnality, separation, and then even spirituality, but rather it's a different conversation. You begin to see yourself as is this an offering for God? Can this can God receive this? Thank God that it's been celebrated. It's a nice, beautiful nature on the earth, but that's not enough. If you bring this thing to God and God sees it, will he find fault in it? Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? It's another sense entirely. It's another sense entirely. It's another sense. It's another sense entirely. It's the, that is the sense of the blood. It's the sense of the blood. The, it's the attitude. How does your blood behave inside your body? It is violent towards impurity. It acts militarily against anything that doesn't align with the integrity of the laws of the life. 
Praise God. Are you getting what I'm saying? We're talking about you, you be beginning to see in light. Seeing in light. That you are in light. Now they want to open your eyes in light. To give you the eyes. Praise the Lord of the eyes of what can be offered to God. Are you getting what I'm saying? The eyes of what? What can be what offered? What can be offered? You begin to think concerning the standard of God. What can God receive? That that becomes, it's not about did I try, did I do this? Is, is that your meditation is this acceptable? Is this acceptable? That's when a soul has come near the veil of peace. All their concern is acceptability. They are not measuring by any other thing. Oh, I've been, I've been working in love with you now for like five years now. It's not time. I've not tried. You, you don't understand. You're not seen by the true light. How many times will someone slap you before you react? You're not seen by the true light. Are you understand what I'm trying to say? They want to make darkness pass. Darkness. We have to war with it. War with it. War with it. And war with it. And war with it. Praise the Lord. You must never gain the fatigue of um, there's a fatigue that sets in around this, that kind of season, this kind of season. There are many things that play into that kind of fatigue. That was the, the heavy burden of the book of Hebrews when the name then became dull of hearing and all of those things. It was, it was time to bring them into this light, the light of perfection. It's what you call the perfect light. When it's time for the perfect light to shine. Amen. The Lord will help us. Amen. The Lord will give us grace Amen. and mercy. Amen. See, well, heaven is not, is not, I'm not teaching you what things that you have to go and do. I'm just telling you, I'm just showing you standard that heaven has released grace for you. For too, that you need to just cooperate with. Because it's the season, the way you will know is the season for something. Is that the word for that thing will come effortlessly. I didn't plan to be talking about this today. I didn't at all. I didn't plan, but everything I thought to you was just heavy movement in my heart. Something was just moving. Say this. Say this. When I want to move this, stay on that. Keep saying it. Speak concerning it. I'm more than 100% convinced that this is a lie that God is shining to our soul. And heaven is, is telling us this is, there's a further requirement. There's something you need to press into. Don't don't be weak concerning it. Don't faint concerning it. Don't faint when it comes to, when the standard is coming. Don't faint, faint concerning the standard. Rise up with courage. Stand with courage. Believe. 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 Have faith. Have faith concerning those things. Join sides with God. How Daddy Higgins would say, don't take side with the enemy. 
take side with God because what God is doing is for your good. It's for your good. It's for your good. The thoughts I have towards you, say the Lord, are thoughts of good. Thoughts of good. They are not of evil to bring you toward to an expected end. Father, we thank you. We bless your name. We know that tonight, Lord, you have received, you have released mercy. You have released mercy to us. This is mercy. We have found mercy. Mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy, mercy. This is mercy. Mercy. Thank you, Jesus, because as your word says, your commandments are not grievous. They are not burdensome. These are not burdens upon your people. These are not burdens. These are not burdens. These are not burdens, Lord. But these are, these are callings. You are painting callings. The, the high calling to our soul. Joyous, beautiful calling for which, for which mercy and grace have been provided. For which grace has been revealed. Which no man will do by his strength. Because by strength will no man prevail. We know it's not by power, by mind, but it's by your spirit. So, Father, we're just keen into the spirit that's bringing this thought. The spirit that's sounding, that's doing the herald of this, this great announcement and this great call to souls, all and sundry, all people who can hear, who will hear this gospel, who will hear this truth, all who will hear this calling to come, 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 to come and buy and buy into this grace, into this grace. Thank you, Father. Lord, let this grace be released to every heart. Let it find every soul that as we look upon this thing in our heart and consider them with all seriousness, oh, may grace begin to arise. May grace begin to fountain out right from the throne of grace who we'll obtain mercy. We will obtain mercy. We will find grace to help. Thank you, Jesus. I pray no soul will be without help. No soul will be without help. No person will be without help. No person will be without help. Lord, let help come as your word has come. Let help come. We said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. We can build you up and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for the word of grace which you have shared today. We know that the word that wants to bring about the end of sin is always the word of grace. So we receive it, Lord, with all our heart. Thank you for eyes that need to see afresh. Fresh occurrences, fresh, fresh insight, fresh unveiling of unrighteousness and a fresh sight that will lead to new cleansing that will lead to fresh exploit in sanctification, fresh exploit in righteousness. Help our soul. Father, we thank you. We give all the glory to your name. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We bless your holy name. We bless you. Lord, we bless you today for all trans. We're not, we're not going to be ungrateful. Lord, we are thanking you for the table which you prepared for us and thank you Lord for enabling us to partake and thank you for giving utterance and for causing your word. Thank you for the ministry of the spirit beginning to go out. Thank you we bless your holy name we give you praise. In Jesus name we pray Amen, Amen. Praise the Lord